Isaiah 42, 18 to 25. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake, to magnify his laws and make it glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to stay, restore. Who among you will give ear to this, will attend and listen for the time to come? Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned, in whose ways they would not walk and whose law they would not obey? So he poured on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. It burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So this is the end of chapter 42. And you know, uh, and joined again today by the great beloved Tally Coughlin. And this is one of those moments where the verse and chapter breaks that we've added into the Bible, which are very helpful and good, uh, can be a little bit of a disservice because tomorrow's passage is going to start with but now right <laughs> so we're kind of sitting in a grim there needs place to be a comma. <laughs> where yeah yeah exactly so uh you know there's tomorrow's this amazing passage about but when you're walking through fire and blah yeah. blah, blah but we're not there yet we're here at the end of 42 yeah. uh, but i do think that uh this is an important place to to sit and it kind of gets into what we pressed into a little bit yesterday which is the the bitterness of choosing enmity with god right and, you know, um, most people listening to this have probably spent a decent amount of time around Christ's covenant and around the Bible and hopefully have a good idea of the history of Israel and uh, Israel's great propensity, which matches up with all of our own, to see the breathtaking wonder and goodness of God and then exchange it for a cheaper, worse thing. Yeah. And so here, you know, God is speaking to a nation in exile, a nation in ruin, uh, and with more judgment on the way. Yeah. And uh, so it, it is grim and yeah. uh, rightfully so. So Tally, um, you just read this passage for us. You know, people don't really care what I have to think, but they really care <laughs> to hear. Uh, you'd be surprised, but he, <laughs> they really want to hear what you have to think about these grim words to the people of Israel. You know... As I was reading these words, one of the thoughts that came to mind is how quickly we want to move past suffering or Mm. um, consequences. Mm. Much of our life is built around avoiding pain and suffering. Uh, We want to live forever, delay aging forever. Mm -hmm. And here we have words that are really grim and Mm -hmm. really low, being trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. Now, I've never been trapped in a hole, but it sounds terrible does not sound like a good time but i have felt trapped Mm. and i have felt uh needing of rescue and i have uh felt the consequences of my sin Mm -hmm. and i know that in me my instinct is to want to get as far from that as possible as quickly as Mm -hmm. possible and i think we do ourselves a disservice when we try to rush out of those things 
and not linger and, and ask ourselves, Lord, what are you trying to show me of who you are in this? What are you trying to transform in me in the midst of this? What dross are you trying to burn out of me in mm. the midst of this? I mean, so I think that's what's happening here. Mm. You know, the the blind, the servant is blind and deaf and they cannot understand things that seem to be plain. Um, and so, you know, I guess the first thing that came to mind as I was reading this is, goodness, the Lord has something to say mm-hmm. to us in the mm-hmm. midst of these things. And and I think our instinct is to rush to chapter 43, right? Yeah. But there's the good news. There's the exciting part. There's the party and celebration. Yeah. But if we do so, we miss out on a lot of riches that happens. I remember, um, I think it's Charles Spurgeon, who just talks about the school of suffering and how yes. there are lessons to be learned in the school of suffering where we cannot learn them in any other time in our life. Yeah. And most of us don't enroll, <laughs> we don't choose to enroll in the school of suffering. Yeah. And I, I feel like Jason talked not too long ago um, how it was during, when we we're talking about Habakkuk, you know, the results of suffering, suffering isn't always a result of, you know, having done something wrong. Sometimes mm-hmm. because we live in a broken world, there is just suffering. In this case, it seems like the result of suffering is due to their rebellion against the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but those those lessons, those places are still have great value for us as children of God to listen and, and ask, okay, Lord, open my deaf ears, open my blind eyes, help Amen. me to see. No, that's a great word. The biblical prophecy is so good because um, Jordan and I actually, we were doing um, First Peter together for ODR. And this image that he brought is like one of my favorites that I've heard, but talking about basically Christian truth and scripture being a suspension bridge Mm. where there's points of tension that are in a physical sense in opposition to each other, but they create a state like a stability and a stable reality that you can stand on. Yeah. And if a point of tension is removed, then the whole thing crumbles. Right. And one of the things I like about prophecy is, you know, all the major minor prophets, basically the two big points of tension are God's judgment and God's mercy Mm -hmm. and salvation. Yes. And like you said, like, I think we can sort of be in this place where we want to skip to the good part and say, well, can we also just read Isaiah? And I mean, that's (laughs) admittedly my inclination too is like, man, like we should just read Isaiah 43 too. So then we can mm-hmm. talk about that part. Right. Um, but the whole like groundwork for the mercy and salvation that God is going to perform is rooted upon the just judgment that has been earned by the nations. Yeah. You know, we can't talk about a God who offers salvation to the nations yeah. if we don't talk about what the salvation, like what even merits salvation, right. what, what necessitates it. Yeah. And, you know, basically what I think we're going to see as we continue through Isaiah, and especially if you read the whole book, like the 30 chapters of woes to yeah. all these different nations, yeah. is the, these prophecies kind of create this tension and there, there's a little gap in the middle. And I'll use another prophecy moment to illustrate this. Uh, Zephaniah, is a it's a minor prophet. It's real short. Zeph- it's three chapters long. In chapter three, there's this moment where, you know, one moment God is saying, I'm going to gather the nations to pour out my judgment on them. And then he starts to say, at that time, I will change the speech of the people to one pure speech. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll gather them together for a feast and, you Mm -hmm. know, 
basically it's this epic passage that culminates in a, a pretty well-known moment where, you know, it says the, the Lord is singing over his people. Rejo- yeah. He will rejoice over you with gladness and quiet you with his love. And I think where that should leave us is like, wait, where, where's the shift? Like what's yeah. the shift? And so here in Isaiah, we, we see like God's people have chosen rebellion. They've chosen the road of enmity with God or rivalry to God's glory. And they have to bear the judgment of that. But then God is also stepping into it and being a friend, being a guide, you know, the, the one phrase that tomorrow's reading could really be summed up with is I am with you. Mm. And so it creates this gap in the middle where it's like, how can God step into a situation that he also has condemnation to bring? Yeah. And what I love about Isaiah, and I think why this section of scripture that we're reading is so formative for the gospel authors and for the early church is because Isaiah is actually going to explain what stands in the gap. Yeah. And it's this servant who comes mm-hmm. to bear the stripes and to bear the curse of the people. Yeah. And that God himself is actually going to bear this punishment yeah. that's rightly deserved for any who would place their trust in him. So this all sets the stage for yeah. a redeemer. Definitely. Well, and if we don't read these words about the wrath of God, how can we really understand what Jesus took on mm. our behalf? We have to understand what that wrath entails. Verse 25 says, so, so he good. poured on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around. I mean, if we don't read these words, then we don't fully understand. Jesus died on the cross and rose. It's very, we can separate it from like the wrath of God that Jesus endured on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, unless you know the bad news, the good news really doesn't have much value. Mm-hmm. You have to really understand how bad the bad news is yeah. to truly rejoice in what's offered in 43. Um, I'm glad this bad news comes before the mm-hmm. good news because 43 isn't as much of a celebration i mean it is of course it, it's always a celebration of what jesus did and what god has accomplished but i think the more we understand what the what the wrath of god fully entails that jesus drank the cup dry so that not a drop remained of this mm. heat of anger this fire um this all-consuming fire we have to understand that more deeply i think i was reading um I was reading in Genesis the other day and I was trying to explain to one of my kids, you know, why why did God create all things? Uh-huh. And it was for his glory and for his pleasure. Mm-hmm. Just out of the pleasure of mm-hmm. of him, of, of of desiring glory. And I just think like it says in verse 21, if we circle back, the Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to magnify his law and make it glorious the Lord will be glorified Mm -hmm. and he will um, shine light on the thing that is to be praised. His righteousness, his law was given to the people um, and for their good, but ultimately for his glory. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Jesus, which we see in verse in chapter 43, um, fulfills the law so that we can glorify God even more so that he can be more fully glorified so that Jesus can go. I mean, it's just this beautiful worshipful um, moment. Um, But again, we have to really sit in in the seat, in the seat of sorrow in the school of suffering 
in the understanding of wrath and get pruny almost from understanding to have deep value and worth of this good news that we're about to um, read and talk about. Mm. Amen. It's a great word. And, you know, we could go on and there's, there's so much beauty and goodness of God that's revealed through his wrath. And that is its own, you know, sermon and sermon series and lifetime of learning. Uh, But for today, I think that um, we see God's goodness revealed in his justice and judgment that he is actually going to step into and offer a way out. And so we'll see more of that as we continue through Isaiah. But for today, for Tally Coughlin, this is Will Carlisle, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.